Hello, my name is Brenda. She, her. I'm Austin. He, they, she. And this is... Secret Secret Histories of of Nerd Nerd Mysteries. Hello, welcome to episode 19 of Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. I'm pretty sure this is 19. No, it was sev- last week was 17, right? We just that's, did it. So that's what I thought. And then I tried to save it as 17, and apparently there was already a 17. Did we miss? Did we accidentally make 17 when it was? Si- <laughs> I think so. That one episode we were. <laughs> At this point, it's like, how many episodes of this podcast are there? And I haven't been numbering them. So the only way to check is to count them all, which we did a couple weeks ago. And this is either episode 18 or 19. Maybe it's time for me to actually go back and just rename and number these. So um, it's not confusing. But um, we'll we'll say it's 19 or it's 18 if you don't want to count last week. Because last week was a special. Last week was a special. Yeah. And we we had a lot of fun with it. Yes. But <laughs> but uh, Mulan, um, which we should have foreseen, is problematic. Yeah, we we got easily swept up in stuff they put in to get American swept up in it, and it worked on us. And we're it not we're not perfect either. Yeah, they got us both real good. Um, and I did, it, it's a good action movie, but that doesn't mean that it's not like a, it's very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Inauthentic. Yes. And, uh. Occasionally uh, offensive. Yep. Um, inauthentic, offensive. What are that? What's the other one I saw? Uh, people, um, a lot of Chinese people talk about playing into like the, uh, exoticness of a place, which, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, yeah, our, our, that's, that's our B. Yeah, so, we apologize. Hopefully you still liked the episode, and you're just, you can just be like, oh, Brenda and Austin. (laughs) Yeah. I have to sneeze. (laughs) A bless you. (laughs) Times two. Three, even. Three sneezes. Doesn't that mean, um, like in, like, uh, like, uh, someone's talking about me? I think so. (laughs) I thought it was just, like, if you sneeze... Like, the joke in movies is always, like, someone's like, I wonder what James is up to, and then they go to James and he sneezes. Like, that that's usually the joke, but I don't... I'm sure that's taken from somewhere, also. <laughs> that's such a good gag, though. It's a really good... I laugh every time. <laughs> um, One big complaint, and this is this is wild, because I mentioned during our the part of the episode where we talk about Candace versus the universe, how there's very rarely non-european subtitles in american disney plus um so we get like we get spanish we get german we get um sometimes italian we get uh finnish which is kind of okay um (laughs) but there's very rarely like um any like asian um subtitles or like from anywhere else in the world uh, besides 
Europe. And mm-hmm. with Mulan, which was, you know, supposedly aimed towards um, like a Chinese audience, um, Chinese Americans couldn't watch it with sub- with Chinese subtitles on. That was not um, available for the movie at all. That's why I was I was like thinking about um, checking the subtitle options because I, I just watched it with like I just have English subs turned on because I mm-hmm. personally speak English Um and I didn't even, I thought about going back and checking the subtitle and audio track options just to, like, that was my one thing. I'm like, you know, I wonder if they thought about that. And I'm sadly not shocked they didn't. Yeah. Like, I saw that on it on Twitter this morning that, like, someone had, um, their parents who don't speak English really wanted to watch the movie with them. And so they bought it. And then there weren't any Chinese subtitles. So, you know, the people who were really excited to see it couldn't see it. Wow. Wow, and wow, there's wow. a lot there's a lot of other things that are wrong. We there's no way we could talk about it all and we're also not the best people to talk about it all. Right. Um, so we're sorry about last week. Hopefully mm-hmm. you got some some laughs and we'll go to the movies again, but maybe we'll think a little bit more about um, what movies we see. <laughs> yeah. It was it was something new, so we hope you enjoyed the for- the format as it stands and like we said last week in our show notes and on Twitter um, and on other social media, just like we linked to people better than us to be talking about it that are, mm-hmm. they're, they're kind of wrapping up talking about it. Like they do other stuff. They don't want to just be the Mulan Chinese person, but they do have words you can go read about their thoughts on it. Yeah. Yeah. But... So that's Mulan. We would like to follow up our Blockbuster episode. Yes. A few weeks ago. Uh, going back yeah. in time. <laughs> it's their back in time noise (laughs) (laughs) great scott (laughs) that's a back to the future reference for you kids and if you're a kid i don't know many times to say get off this podcast get off this podcast if you're not old enough to watch back to the future you're not old enough to listen to this podcast you have to be at least 30 to watch back to the future (laughs) why we can't and that's why i don't listen to our own podcast because i'm not 30 yet Um, we had a, we had a big fan of the show reach out and let us know about their own kind of like blockbustery place in Tucson, Arizona called Casa Video. So they sent us this like testimonial. So I was listening to your blockbuster episode and Tucson is a pretty cool video place called Casa Video. It is a huge video rental place with extensive collection containing everything from new releases to obscure foreign films. One of the ways they have stayed relevant was adding a craft bar slash cafe with flat screens that play movies on the bartender's choice unless the special events going on they even do saturday morning cartoons this is a place in this is a tucson staple this is all in the before times of course and before times referring <laughs> to before the pandemic yes uh, so i i think this is an incredibly interesting format because we've seen in grand rapids movie theaters are kind of doing something a little bit similar to this where they mm-hmm. have added a bar mm-hmm um, to try to entice people to go see movies drunk. And let me tell you. It's great. <laughs> it's great. I, I saw Lego Batman at 11 o'clock in the morning and drank a Long Island iced tea and was definitely kind of really drunk in a theater. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw, so I saw Star Wars The Force Awakens way too many times. And on my like. so good. On my like six or seven showing of it, I was Pla- I was plastered. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing, and they bring it to you. They like bring it. They bring it to your seat. Yeah, it was amazing. 
it's great. Um, I think this is a really interesting idea of having like it become like more of a social get together. Like right. you can drink and talk about movies, you know, just kind of. Um, we have a bar in Grand Rapids that kind of shows like snippets from like cartoons. Yeah. Um, but it's so loud that you can't hear it. Yeah, I've been in there when it's quiet. Uh, Surreal. And and sometimes if you go there for brunch, it's sometimes quiet and some, but like the audio isn't always on. And I've asked before and they'll turn on the captions sometimes, but they're like, not Mm -hmm. all of the screens can do captions apparently. Oh. So that's weird. Yeah. What's the point of it? I don't, it's aesthetic, honestly. Like, yeah. um, I've watched like, (laughs) I've sat in like, I've like uh dramatic red episodes to people because i've seen a lot of tv and so it'll be like an episode of Dari, and i'm like oh, i know this episode and i'll explain what's going on the entire episode uh which is fine but yeah it would be cool to like spaces like that i think are how <coughs> places oh no i'm a mess today i guess <laughs> <laughs> see if host brenda makes it through the episode will she survive <laughs> yeah places like that would be neat that's and i feel like that's kind of like what we talked about in the blockbuster episode is like the last blockbuster kind of became they didn't do that but they became like a community space yeah it really did i think that's what's really gonna save um movie rental places going forward Mm -hmm. and a lot of other businesses going forward Mm -hmm. and maybe movie theaters too who knows um i do know i love getting a drink when i go to the movies it's... And the movie theater downtown has those heated seats now, which um, for um, how much pain I'm in, that's great. I can go see a movie. <laughs> like, I didn't think about that application. See, I don't like heated seats because I, I run warm. So I'm all like, I'm all like, mm-hmm. someone's like, oh, it's cold. And I'm like, I'm already sweating. You're wrong. <laughs> um... I'm the exact opposite where it's like, if it's not like at least 85, I'm dying. I'll be like, it's cold. I'm cold. <laughs> The hot tub is set to 104, so... That's too hot! You have skin! <laughs> Your skin! <laughs> Boil me. <laughs> Roast me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so thanks to that big fan for the Casa Video stuff. I don't think... There's there's some nerd news. Uh, the, the nerd news I have is support Ray Fisher who was Cyborg in yes. Justice League. Um, I haven't researched it too much, because I'm did. i I'm in charge for this episode, everyone's surprised. Uh, <laughs> but he's speaking out against harassment and abuse he suffered while working on Justice League from DC Entertainment and Warner Brothers. Uh, he said there's other people from the staff and the cast he knows who also suffered it, but he didn't want to out anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so far from the cast, Jason... Momoa is that I never know that dude's last name it yeah Momoa uh Jason Momoa has come out in support of Ray Fisher he hasn't reported his own abuse or uh harassment but there were some execs at Warner Brothers that got outed recently as abusers and Ray Fisher was like oh interesting huh um (laughs) so yeah Hmm. if you're listening to this and you haven't looked into it just you know check out like Google Ray Fisher DC and I'm sure you'll find someone has that is like compiled at all which hasn't really happened yet he just spoke out as of this recording like yesterday mm-hmm. so it's all still pretty Keep an eye new. On that. yeah 
Um, and then Jeff Johns, who is in charge of like the DC movies, I think, and has written like a lot of Green Lantern um, and created a lot of characters for DC, was an enabler in all of this abuse. Mm-hmm. So um, he's out. Bye. Bye. Won't miss you. Bye, Jeff. <laughs> I, I don't like how close your first and last names are. Uh, yeah. And how you spell Jeff. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> Just spell it J-E-F-F like the rest of us. Um, <laughs> so, speaking of Jeffs, I... Our good friend Jeff. Our good friend Jeff. That I used to work with. <laughs> <laughs> no, who although... Who really likes board games. <laughs> although this, this Jeff is also tall and may sell you board games. Two tall Jeffs that sell me board games? But this what Jeff world. never wants you to stop being a Toys R Us kid. <gasps> oh my god! We're talking about Toys R Us. <laughs> <laughs> my parents definitely just heard that scream. One of them let Angel back up the stairs. <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, Angel can open doors now. Oh, so. well, it's over. Yeah, it's over. He's too smart. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Toys R Us was is a company that was founded by Charles Lazarus, which is a really baller name. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting because the first official Toys R Us opened in 1957, um, but he had been in the business of selling stuff for kids well before that. Um his first store he opened was in 1948 called Children's Bargain Town. And it was a children's <laughs> furniture store that sold like cribs and like strollers. And they had toys like around Christmas because that's kind of what all stores did back then is like Christmas came up and they would have like a few toys, you know, because you sell kid stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but he mostly sold like stuff for newborn babies. Um, he started picking up more toys as he realized like parents like he said this in an interview like parents would come they get the baby stroller or the crib but and this is still true today like usually if you have another baby you don't get a new one because you have the old one and the other baby isn't using it anymore Mm -hmm. um so it was kind of like uh they're like a one or two time customer but they they keep coming back for toys kids always wanted more toys um yeah so he in the 50s started dedicating more space to toys until he realized it was more profitable and just became like children's bargain town was just a toy store and then in 57 in rockville maryland um he named he renamed children's bargain town to toys r us uh and when he first got the logo in charles lazarus is the one who changed the logo around so the r was backwards so it looked like a kid wrote it it was whimsical yeah it hey <laughs> it works i thought listen Growing up as a kid, I was 100% sure Toys R Us was run by other children. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Yeah, Toys R Us has an interesting history that I'll, like, chime in with, but I, I kind of like Blockbuster. Like, I'm sure we both just have fond memories of Toys R Us. You wanted to tell me what this topic was so bad. Yes, I, could tell. <laughs> I really wanted to listen. I So, Toys R Us has a very interesting history, and there's not... Mm-hmm a lot that's out there there's a lot of biz there's like a lot of like changing over of owners and stuff and there's the bankruptcy which we'll get to but Mm -hmm. there's not a lot on like other topics we've done i feel like we find like backroom like sordid deals that people kind of like air out you know there's not a lot of talk on that stuff 
there is around the bankruptcy and the company that bought Toys R Us, which I guess mm-hmm. we'll get to. Um, but one interesting thing I found is Charles Lazarus. Uh, he made this like vi- he made this like uh, he keep- it's called a documentary in this New York Times article. But when mm-hmm. I tried to find it, what it actually is, everyone, it's like those videos that you see a lot in movies where like the rich like king of the family or whatever makes a video for like the family to watch when he passes away and it's one of those that oh god that the family like allowed some of this like some of the video to be released publicly because they thought it was it's like interesting history on the company that he hadn't talked about yeah because he passed away like right after the bankruptcy yeah the final bankruptcy which is i know that's getting ahead of it but that's interesting it's it's i mean it's pretty sad like i tried to find out like if he had talked about it or if he had thoughts on it, you know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he passed away at 94, one week after the bankruptcy went finally in 2018. So, you know, I, there's not a lot on that part of his life, and that's totally the family's... Like, I 100% respect that. I wasn't gonna... I don't yeah. have the tools, nor would I ever try and pry into their life about, like, well, tell me what your grandpa said on his deathbed. <laughs> yeah. Tell this comedy podcast what your grandpa's last words were. Yeah, but I can't <laughs> no. imagine that, like, what it must feel like. Because, like, he, so Charles Lazarus, um, he originally worked, his family owned a bike shop that he worked in when he was a kid. And then, like, a lot of people in the 40s, he went away to World War II. Like, a lot of men in America, I should say. Um, so he was a cryptographer in the U.S. Army during World War II. Um and he served for most of the war, from what I could figure out. Um, there wasn't, like, a record I could find where he told people his exact serving date, which, again, is fine. Um, mm-hmm. So when he came back in the 40s, he had this idea, because, like, a lot of the other people he was serving with, they're like, I'm going to go home and send a family. He's like, I should get into the baby furniture business. There's going to be a lot of kids. <laughs> um, he, in this interview, not in, like, in this video interview, he's like, you know, the person's like, oh, you kind of predicted the baby boom. He's like, I could have no idea the impact it'd have on the country. Um, because Toys R Us, unequivocally, is why we have, like, big box stores. Which I didn't yeah. know. I don't know if you knew that, Brenda. Um, I did. Yeah, so Toys R Us is the first quote-unquote category killer, everybody, where it, like, edged out small-town businesses that just couldn't Oof. keep up. Oof. Uh, it just completely dumped like they he would order toys in bulk which isn't stuff stores did he'd order toys year round which isn't what was do, was done at the time um and he just always had the newest quote-unquote coolest toys you know he he just his motto he said was like uh in this documentary interview he talked about like uh they would always be stocked like if a kid wanted a toy they would have the toy um he talks about, like, you know, no one come, uh, if you come to us to buy a toy, nobody makes you buy a toy. Uh, mm-hmm. Over the years, I've tried to teach uh, children to say I need the toy rather than I want the toy. Because it's true, like, if you're a new parent buying his baby furniture, you need a crib. You have, like, there's no... Yeah. But kids want, like, it was kids wanted toys, but Toys R Us, like, even by the time I was buying, like, getting toys when in, in like, the 90s, like... Toys R Us made you feel like you needed that toy. Like, it, it was not just like, I don't just want the Power Rangers toy for my birthday. I I will die if I don't get it. <laughs> I need it. My happiness 
depends upon this. Yeah, abs- <laughs> it was like absolutely 100% that feeling. Uh, I do have one cool figure, fi- like number. Um, <gasps> yes. So Toys R Us uh, first went public in 1978, which turned it into a $500 million company. By 1990, it was worth $12 billion. In today's Jeez. money, that would be $24.2 billion. Jeez. That is, uh, like, Ooh. 1990 is around its peak. Um, at its at the height of that peak, at its power, Toys R Us sold 18,000 different toys in 1,400 locations around the globe and controlled 25% of the toy market. My God. Hey everyone, any business controlling a quarter of the market is just that's that's not heard of. That's like Disney shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's like Disney level. It's like Toys R Us was the Disney of the toy business in the 90s. Yeah. And like you also have to remember that places like Target didn't carry toys. No. Walmart didn't carry toys. Mm-mm. Um to all you Michiganders out there, Meyer didn't have toys. Mm-mm. This was, like, the only place you could go to get toys. Like the, um, some department stores would still have them. Yeah, they would but do, that's like, another the, story. they would do, like, the Christmas catalog. Like, I remember that from, like, JCPenney's. Like, they would have toys then. Yes. And, like, Kmart had some toys. They usually weren't great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But it was, like, I was racking my brain. I was like, I don't know where else you would go for toys. I have no, I'm sure other, other places had to exist. Cause they only had 25% of the market. Um, it's like, where did toys come from? Oh, oh my God. So I read, so Brenda, it didn't just have the toy market in the U S 25% of the world toy market. Ooh. <laughs> hey everybody. That's Oof. so that might be like past a Disney level. Like Disney controls a lot of the market here. And like, mm-hmm. They they have a they have like holdings around the world. They own a lot of other companies, but Toys R Us is just Toys R Us. It, it they they only own themselves. There isn't like the nineties is before they had like Babies R Us and Kids R Us and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. This is just Toys R Us. Just Jeffrey the Giraffe singing "Be a Toys R Us Kid" selling you toys. Twenty five percent of the entire world toy market. <laughs> I that's <laughs> so much. We can't. You know, right? Like, how much money, like, how big that is. Like, that just doesn't exist anymore. No. Uh, it's, and this is kind of, like, why I thought of it. It's kind of like a age gone by thing, like Blockbuster. Um, mm-hmm. Because now, like, yeah, there's, like, Target, and now I think Walmart and Amazon are the biggest toy sellers. Um, but it, there, there is not, like, a place, like, you go, you, Toys R Us, like, in, in that peak, like, through the 90s. You walked in, and it's interesting because a lot of the articles where I talk about, like, how the store wasn't... De- like, the store is kind of like a warehouse. Like, it's not decorated. Um, no. There, you can, like, see the exposed... Like, looking at pictures, like, you can see, like, the exposed panels. You can see the ducks. The floor's pretty cheap. Like, sometimes there's, like, a Toys R Us, like, placard on the floor. But you are just completely, like, hit in the face with toys. Like, you walk in, there's usually, like, some mm-hmm. huge display for, like the cool newest thing, like you're in a movie or something, and you're just like slammed in the face with toys. Yeah, it it was like a place that was only for you. So it wasn't like, oh, you're going to Target and like your parents like, oh, you can go look at the toys for a little bit while I shop. It's like, this was something specifically yeah. for y- you as a kid. Yeah. So that felt really special because it's like, this is for me. 
my parents took the time to do this thing for me. Mm-hmm. It just felt really nice. It was it was amazing because like yeah, like other stores, you were like, oh, could I look at the toy aisle? You know, and like Target mm-hmm. has a few now. They have like two or three. Um, but it's like, can I look? But Toys R Us is like, we're here and I'm getting a toy because there's no other reason to be here. Yeah, it's like you're going to have a toy. You're going to have a video game. And like the fact that it was so large, mm-hmm. like just a big warehouse of toys, you could find some like stuff that you couldn't find anywhere else because everywhere else it would have sold out because they didn't get a lot of it. Tar- like Toys R Us got so much of a thing mm-hmm. that you would be like, oh, I really want this video game that I haven't seen in a long time. And you'd be at Toys R Us and it would just be there. Right. And that, that really- I got Dogs 5 <laughs> on CD in like 2005. Nice. And it really- <laughs> And that's really, like, how they kind of held the market for so long, because it was, like, like, it wasn't, I, I remember, like, it wasn't, like, shopping grounds, like, you go to Toys R Us because they're gonna have it, and it's gonna be at a better rate, and it's gonna be on sale. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that Charles Lazarus really wanted, and that's something he, like, fostered. Like, he, he was ordering toys from Japan before that was, like, popular. He was just, like, Japan makes a lot of toys, I'm gonna order toys from Japan, and he, like, made a really good connection with like the toy makers there um in uh 1992 he opened the first toys R Us in japan and the fucking president of america of the united states went with him for the grand opening i wanna grow up oh hello i'm a toys R Us kid i don't want do you know that we know a former jeffrey the giraffe wait what do you know, we know someone who's played Jeffrey the Giraffe in the store. No. Take I want you to take a wild guess. So it's someone I used to work with. Who would have been a Jeffrey the Giraffe? I mean, so my heart jumps to Jeff for the joke. <laughs> but I don't think that's right. Daniel? No, it is Steven. Oh, interesting. He played Jeffrey, I mean, we could see if we can interview him about his experiences as the the man inside the Jeffrey the Giraffe costume. That would be, I've never met, uh, like, like in my Toys R Us never had a Jeffrey the Giraffe, like, event where he was there. Or if they did, I didn't know. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) So that's interesting. I didn't realize, like, I thought that was just for commercials. I thought so, too, because, like, yeah, mine also didn't have it. Mine was the one in Flint. Mm -hmm. Um, But... What we lacked in Jeffrey the Giraffe, we made up for in just like the sheer square footage of our Toys R Us. Because let me tell you, the ones in Grand Rapids, tiny. Baby. Absolutely tiny. Yeah, I, Baby Toys R Us. Who, what is that place? <laughs> yeah, so quick aside, there's there were two Toys R Uses in Grand Rapids. There was one on 28th Street, which was a newer build. Mm-hmm. tiniest little dinky store there's the smallest store this had this stupid little video game section up towards the front the aisles were like the most narrow aisles i've ever seen in it a felt, store it felt sad to walk into yeah this was not exciting this is one of their late stage toys r us builds bad just bad and then there was the one over on alpine mm-hmm. which um somehow through whatever means still had a kids r us in it oh up until the end that was the weirdest thing, because, like, that one was a little sad to walk into. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly just because it had a Kids R Us still in it. So, like, a big chunk of it was, like, clothing. Weird. Which was very weird. And we'll probably talk about Kids R Us a little bit. Yeah, I didn't your notes. look into it much. Uh, I 
I really just looked at Toys R Us. They, Kids R Us and Babies R Us exist. Babies R Us was kind of like baby things, and Kids R Us was like a clothing store. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very weird because like Toys R Us was already a kid place, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, you thought going into Kids R Us that it was going to be like a similarly magical experience to going into a Toys R Us. And this is one that's specifically called Kids and you are a kid, so you think it's going to be great. And then you just try it on clothes and yeah. it's not great. And the clothes aren't so, great. So, no. Yeah, can we just go that to didn't Old do Navy? Well. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'd rather be at JCPenney's than this. JCPenney's has some toys sometimes. <laughs> some toys sometimes. You can look at the bedding. I was a weird kid that liked to look at the bedding. Bedding is dope. <laughs> I know, all of the patterns. Uh, So, Toys R Us, speaking of Jeffrey the Giraffe, Toys R Us first got uh, Jeffrey the Giraffe as a mascot in 1965. Wow. Uh, the earliest version was known as Dr. G. Raff. <laughs> Dr. G. Oh my god. <laughs> Dr. G. Raff. Uh, Dr. Giraffe, Dr. Giraffe, we have a, <laughs> we have a, a critical case of uh, Toyless Child. We gotta get three cc's of My Little Pony dolls in here. Stat! <laughs> um... Yeah, he that's that's Dr. G. Raff. Um I found some really cool ads of him. There's one of him running for president. If only he'd won. <laughs> uh <laughs> at one in the sixties and seventies, I don't know if you know this, he had a family. Yes, I do know he had a family. Uh I forget their where are the names. Uh his wife was It's a tragedy what happened to them. <laughs> His wife was Gigi, and he had a daughter and son, Junior, of course, and baby G. Uh, <laughs> they really, they're like, we're really going to lean into this giraffe joke. This jer, there's no pun there. No. Forget that. There's no pun. Joke? But imagine there's a G? Yeah, it's like, th- pretend I'm writing it out. It's G-O-K-E. That's the joke. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I. Uh, yeah, I remember the last design of Jeffy the Giraffe. It was bad. Oh, yeah. He was like a 2D, like, Flash giraffe, Yeah, he? he was like Flash animation giraffe. Yeah, but that was better than mid-2000s hyper-realistic CGI giraffe. That's true. Uh, there... That was also a misstep. <laughs> <laughs> there was an animatronic version of Jeffrey in 2001. Where? Uh, created by Stan Winston Studios. Uh... I couldn't find out where it is now, but apparently they mm-hmm. used it in some commercials. The voice of it was Tom Hanks's oh. brother. <gasps> Timmy Hanks. <laughs> I don't know what his brother's name is. His brother's name is Jim Hanks. Jimmy Hanks! I wasn't that far no, off! No, really, I thought you, I honestly thought you said Jimmy Hanks, and I was like, oh yeah, of course Brendan knows Tom Hanks' brother's name. Makes sense. I don't. <laughs> he just felt like a Timmy to me, but I wasn't that far off. Not far. Um... Yeah, so I remember my Toys R Us every Saturday when Yu-Gi-Oh was a thing, had Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments, and I so I was at that Toys R Us weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wanted to do those, and just never there was just never time. Not Yu-Gi-Oh, but Pokemon. I've only played Yu-Gi-Oh once. It's okay. I won. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> Your friend is like, I'm gonna quit early. I have a flawless career. 
absolutely flawless career. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so to- some people pointed to Toys R Us's down decline in the mid '90s when Charles Lazarus stepped down. Uh, mm. He retired as the CEO in '94, and he was on. He was he was a chairman until '98, and then he left. Then he was gone completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and '98 is the year that Walmart first surpassed Toys R Us as the largest retailer in the U.S. Um, it did not globally, but again, like the U.S. market, especially for like retail toys, like as a moneymaker is we're for most markets we're the, we're the market because we like shit. We like to buy stuff. Yeah. That's how we fill the hollowness of our lives. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but he stepped down. He helped do some of the design work for Toys R Us and Babies R Us. Like when, like. It seemed like a kind of like he stepped down in like a like a Stanley situation like when Stanley left Marvel and then in modern times Marvel was like, "Hey, you want to help us out?" <laughs> yeah. Um it seemed like that kind of thing like as they were declining they kind of kept going to him for like what they should do. Um cuz he again like I feel like he started this thing before like the toy market wasn't huge yet. This is before Saturday morning cartoons. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, he talks about, he had no idea what the toy market would become. Like when Saturday morning cartoons hit everybody, it's over. It's, it's time. (laughs) (laughs) Toys are here and they're not going anywhere. Uh, but he just really loved selling stuff to kids. Like he talked about, um, even when he sold just like baby furniture, when he made mobiles or he got mobiles into the store, he would hang them up and then lay under them like a baby to see, like, if it'd be fun. Uh, when he got toys in to, like, sell toys, he would, like, get down to kid level. He'd crouch down or, like, get on his, like, hands and knees and, like, see how the toy looks. Because he's, like, you know, think about how big you look to a kid. You're huge. You're a giant. Like, how do, how are they going to play with this toy? Not how does an adult see how to sell this toy? Does a kid want this toy? Does a kid want to play with this toy? Yeah, which I feel like is missing now because, like, toys are such a big market. Mm-hmm. There's not that personal touch being like, is this the thing the kids will like? Right. Or is this the thing that a group of adult men have decided kids will like? The kids should buy. <laughs> yeah. And it feels a lot... Toys right now are wild. It feels a lot like that, and that's part of what some people hearken to is, like, the decline of Toys R Us is they just kind of lost the heart and... As someone who, like, grew up in the height of Toys R Us through that 90s when they're a multi-billion dollar company controlling a quarter of the world's toy market, (laughs) (laughs) which is just buck wild. And then, like, when I was older and going to Toys R Us, like, here in Grand Rapids or, like, back home, like, you could feel that they were losing it because they started to try and, to save money, they cut back on orders. Because Toys R Us's big thing was, like... Mm -hmm. Wall-to-wall toys, if no one else has it, we will have it. Per- like, period. Pretty much. Um, mm-hmm. And that just wasn't true. I mean, I remember going to Toys R Us well before the, like, eventual bankruptcy in 2018. Like, and then, like, shelves being empty and, like, yeah. not cared for. A lot of um, very disarray, like, in very disarrayed um, clearance shelves mm-hmm. towards the back of the store and the... At least in mine, all the lights were off in the back. Oh, yeah. You could still go back there, but the lights were not on. Oh, yeah. I, I remember stuff like that, too, in the Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of that, like, the steep decline that 
most people point to as Toys R Us as the eventual departure um, is in 2005 when they were bought by a group of private equity investors in a leveraged buyout. Now I spent... Leveraged buyout. (laughs) I spent the better part of three hours last night trying to figure out what the hell that means. Do you know what that means, Brenda? Uh Oh, okay. Okay, so the gist of it. And pretty much every time we're going to mention a business that goes out of, like, in America that has died, a leveraged buyout in a private equity firm are to blame. Um, So how... I don't know why this is allowed to exist. That much I can't discern. But the general gist of a leveraged buyout is that a private equity firm decides that they want to buy a thing. Mm -hmm. So in this case, it's Toys R Us. Mm -hmm. They decide that they are going to buy this. And to do so, they conduct the leveraged buyout, which means they they buy the thing. Mm -hmm. But in order to buy the thing, they create a loan that is not attributed just to the buyer's it is heaped onto the company that is being bought. Okay. So there's this giant sum of money that was used to quote unquote buy Toys R Us that instead of being paid by the buyers is just thrown straight back onto the business. So really shady businesses tend to use this in order to um, buy out businesses, strip their assets, and then they just bankrupt it and run off with the money. Um, Okay. This has happened to KB Toy Stores. iHeartMedia did this too recently. Um, Toys R Us. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, think something similar happened to Chuck E. Cheese. Right. There's a whole string of like your favorite business that has become the victim. Oh, uh, Builder Square, which is where my mom used to work. Mm-hmm. That was the victim of the leverage buyout. Um, Mitt Romney has a company um, that does this. So. It's called, a, it's like, is it Bain? Bain Capital? Yeah, so. to do this? So, one, yeah. one of the companies was Bain. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> the the companies were KKR, which I did, I did not care to look up with the sans for some, some white guys' names. Bain and <laughs> Vornado. <laughs> which, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it. If you need an evil villain, like, company name for any kind of thing you're making, Vornado's a pretty good one. <laughs> you couldn't name your company that gobbles up tinier companies and strips them of their assets anything better than Vornado. Like, like, holy shit. What is, what are you, is that your name? Is your name that? Because you should change it. Vornado sounds like a really bad villain from a 90s comic. Really bad. Um... But okay, so so I did understand them properly. That's fucking yes. acid. So I was reading it and I was like, wait, so they go to a bank and they're like, give us a bunch of debt to give this company. And banks are like, yeah, sounds good. How is that how that yeah. works? How is that legal at all? Um, there's a podcast that I really like called One Second. You think I would know it right off the top of my head and I don't. <laughs> Secret histories of nerd it, mysteries. Nerd mysteries. Yeah, the two hosts. There's host Brett and host Austin, and like they're pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie at all. Like pretty awesome. Uh, it's called. You know, of course, my internet's not working. Well, I'm just gonna explain it. Oh, yeah. there you go. There you go. Okay, it's called Spectacular Failures, and they have an episode about Toys R Us, and. Um, one, it's like a podcast put out by a college, so they have like a research budget. So they go into this big, long 
thing about exactly like how leverage buyouts work and especially like in this instance so if anyone has any questions about like wants to know the intricacies of like what a leverage buyout is they do a pretty good like rundown of the more technical aspects of why it's allowed to happen it shouldn't happen though. it shouldn't happen it's awful it's terrible so yeah so they bought the company out for six billion but they threw onto the company five billion dollars in debt which toys r us just never recovered from they literally they they bought them out in 2005 and up at, they filed bankruptcy because toys r us never climbed out of the hole because toys r us by this time was already struggling like walmart had taken over it in the u.s um e-commerce is growing targets caught on to having toys like they have pretty stiff competition um from companies that are becoming more e-commerce savvy again kind of like blockbuster like toys r us never seemed to it wasn't like blockbuster or blockbuster was kind of ahead of its time where they tried like digital sales before it was really a thing but toys r us mm -hmm. just was never able to keep up because a big part of the company's like heart was like coming in and like in your face toys uh yeah it which there's just not a way to create that digitally yeah and toys r us did adopt a website like earlier than their competitors they actually had the url toys.com mm. which was pretty good mm -hmm. but the decision they made was similar to the decision that blockbuster made and that our physical locations are where we want to focus right. so they kind of eased up on that leg up that they had and allowed like other companies like amazon which isn't nearly what it is today but you know it was kind of climbing mm -hmm. um allowed like companies like amazon to kind of hop in there and take that market from them and when they really needed it they couldn't get it right back. It was like too little, too late. Um, the so that bankruptcy was wild. Congress got involved. Uh, they sent an informal <laughs> request to these three companies saying, like, "Hey, so it seems like you bought this company out to give it debt and then make money." Um, the re the like response they all gave was pretty like, "No, no, we wanted to make more money because <laughs> they still made money." Yeah. everybody. And like on the trajectory that like Toys R Us had been on up to that point. If it had continued that upwards climb, they would have made money. Yeah. You know, there's like a world where like, yeah, they were able, like Toys R Us kept doing good, as good as it was, and they were able to pay off those loans mm -hmm. and Toys R Us is still open. But 2005 is pretty close to 2007 when um, everything went to shit in the economy. Yeah. So. Um, People aren't buying while toys. Toys R Us, <laughs> yeah. Well, Toys R Us wasn't doing bad, like cons all things considered. Um, those loans are going to continue to recruit interest mm. as time goes on. And, you know, if they can't make the payments because they weren't making what Toys R Us was making when they bought it, right? then it dies. And it got dicey there. I think it was, uh, where is it? I want to say at the top of my head it was 2016. Uh, I could be wrong. I can't find it in my notes. Um, it was 2016 or 2017 was the year that... Hasbro and a few other big toy providers told Toys R Us, like, we are not giving your holiday shipment unless you pay us. Yeah. Because they just weren't making the money like they used to. And from some reports I could find, like, with the new people in charge, Toys R Us kind of lost its cred. Like, before, people were just like, toy, like, essentially, like, Toys R Us is good for it. They may not be good for it today or next year, but, like, we'll, like, they're, they will get to us. Um, mm -hmm. It was like this. I don't know it, it not to i'm not here to like hype up businessmen being businessmen but mm -hmm. charles lazarus seemed like people just trusted him and what he made they're like he he just like is a happy dude and we'll like we'll get 
what we uh, what we're owned from this like christmas shipment or whatever like he'll we will get it uh yeah he'll make he'll he there was like an honor like he was like you can trust me and he never proved anyone that he couldn't be trusted and like that kind of trust is kind of gone from business now Mm -hmm. like i don't really think that's as much of a thing right can you imagine going into toys r us and there's no legos yeah that like it just they don't get that shipment that's like that's dead in the water um, they were able to negotiate something to get the shipments, but that is like absolutely dead in the water. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, really quick before we continue yeah. towards the bankruptcy, um, in 2004, I believe, 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. Toys R Us bought that giant um, Times Square building. Yes, 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 like, yes. Uh, they. It was like, a, oh, I have that. I have stuff on that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I got you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they bought this big Times Square building that was like, oh, it had a different name. It was like an amusement park. Yeah, I have some stats. This is actually from a different video. <laughs> working on. Um, oh, it was actually opened in 2001, so it was opened before the buyout. Oh. Um, it was 110,000 square foot. Um, That's so there was big. a giant. It's so big for Times Square just absolutely massive uh and this is literally like right when the warner brothers studio store was closing down mm-hmm. um so all of those hadn't proved viable in the market and were closing down and then also this is 2001 so a certain date in september is um looming right and the economy is going to go to shit right so they opened this giant store and um it had a ferris wheel a in it a, yeah which was really cool austin did you ever get to see this uh like in person absolutely not yeah oh i the the planets aligned where i was able to go on one new york trip and get to see it and so i didn't get to ride on the ferris wheel because it was closed but it was pretty impressive um i was in high school so i was like toys I don't care about toys and the Pokemon. I don't care about Pokemon because Diamond and Pearl is bad. <laughs> you flip your hair. Yeah. I was just like, I'm here to see Beauty and the Beast on Broadway and I'm here to find the Nintendo store. Never found the Nintendo store. Oh, oh it yeah. It was out there. This is before, like, you just had a computer in your pocket. You had to, like, look for it. Yeah, I was, like, on a school trip and they literally just dumped us on Times Square and they were like, All <laughs> Good right. luck, kids! <laughs> Yeah, which was wild because, like, this isn't Disney World. This is New York City. <laughs> and um, at one point, we almost get did get beaten up. So Oh, no! <laughs> I have a healthy fear of New York. <laughs> uh, yeah, this place was... Food was good. Mass- I did find my notes. It was rented for $400 per square foot. Gee, and it's 110 <laughs> square feet. Together with our combined knowledge, we were able to put that together. What a fucking amazing team we are. <laughs> That's, I'm just going to math really quick. You you tell people yeah. about your experience. Yeah, so I just remember going in there, and I don't know if the T-Rex is there, because supposedly there's a giant animatronic T-Rex. Um, Ferris wheel was closed, so couldn't ride that, which sucked. And really, all I remember was, like, the video game room. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember there was, like, a lot of merchandise advertising candy. Like, pillows with, like, double bubble on it. To me, it just felt like a Toys R Us mm-hmm. that was, like, too big. Um, 
there wasn't I was too old for like any, any interactive exhibits there that were like geared, geared towards children. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing I could do was clothes. And that's really all I remember. I remember Shrek 3 was coming out, so there were a lot of Shrek babies, mm. um, which was a spoiler for the movie, so thanks. Oh, we, that is a spoiler <laughs> for the movie. Yeah, like, I was, like, in the store, and they, the layout was super weird, because, like, it was big and kind of brown, and there were just very mundane toys everywhere that you could find everywhere else. I don't know, that was kind of just the vibe, was that, like, is this really special? If I was a kid, would this be special? I don't know. Hard to say. It's gone now. A lot of reports were like, it was a weird idea. So I did the numbers. The rent was $44 million a month. Jesus. Oh my (laughs) God. So in 2001, I can get it because they were like on an upper trajectory. That's fair. But to keep it open as long as they did. And also somewhere in here, did they buy FAO Schwartz? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so... Now there's just two giant toy stores in New York City owned by the same company. Yes. And and from what I've heard, the FEO Schwartz, as seen in um, Home Alone 2 Lost in New York, was a better experience than the giant toys restaurant. Apparently at one point they were going to find a third place to like rent out in Manhattan. Hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible idea. Yeah, it was... They... Uh, because it, it had a wow factor, like there's a Ferris wheel, like it's cool, but people are already in New York, they're already in Times Square, like there's a lot of cool stuff. You know, I don't know how much the Ferris wheel costs if you want to write it or whatever, but I can't imagine being on like any kind of family trip or class trip and like get it, like you maybe get a toy, you know, and if every visitor gets a toy, like... You know, maybe you break even for the day because running that place must have been a lot of money too. Like rent was forty four million, but they got to pay electricity, they got to pay all the staff for this huge mm-hmm. four story building, like maintenance to upkeep their Ferris wheel. <laughs> yeah, the whole Ferris wheel. It's like it was mostly just like a walkthrough, like a big advertisement. Like, I mean, I don't know what else there is for kids to do in Times Square. Yeah, like kids that would fit in with the demographic. You know, mm-hmm. like, there's a Nintendo store, but that's not close, close. No. That's in Rockefeller Center. Do I know the, the where everything is in New York? Absolutely not. But I do hopefully know that Rockefeller Center is not immediately in Times Square. It is not. You are correct. Cool. <laughs> also, last New York fact, the Rockefeller Center skating rink is tinier than you think it is. <laughs> it really is. It it's small. I didn't realize I was walking past it when I was on my way to the Nintendo store for the first time. Like, my mm-hmm. friend I was with that lives in New York was like, oh, there's, like, the, you know, from the movies. And I was like, oh, that's it? <laughs> it's like, how is there room to skate on it's, that? It's not magical. I'm convinced that no movie has actually been filmed on it because it's, I'm like, there's no way. It's way bigger in movies. Yeah, it's like, there has to just be, like, a fake one. Like, how they have, like, um... There's a fake version of the Shibuya Crossing mm-hmm. in Tokyo because mm-hmm. they can't film on the real one. So there's literally a fake one like a couple miles away in the countryside <laughs> of Japan. Like there's there has to be a fake Rockefeller Center skating rink. It's that or they CGI it because I'm like, it, listen, yeah. there, there's no it is not that small in any movie. They'll do like wraparound shots where they skate around the whole rink. So where what's the truth? <laughs> How big is it? It's not big. Anyway, <laughs> Toys R Us went bankrupt. It was sad. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it like sucked. I, that was like 
a blow straight into my heart. Uh, the biggest, the saddest part was like a lot of people lost their jobs. Uh, yeah. And not only did they lose their jobs, they were also denied severance pays. So they shut, like, they filed for bankruptcy in 2017. Um, Chapter 11 bankruptcy. They, creditors took over for the bankruptcy. Because sometimes when you go bankrupt, like, creditors can take over or you're allowed to do it. Sometimes you can stay open. Like, there's a lot of things that can happen. Um, In 2018, they decided they were liquidating absolutely everything they had. Like, every, like, like, when I say liquidating... Like, have you ever been to a store where, like, they're like, you could buy this shelf. Like, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, critters to control. They to shut down all U.S. stores. So, around 33,000 workers lost their jobs because of that. And a combined amount of $75 million in severance pay was denied to them. But, Absolutely um, criminal. And meanwhile, the CEOs. Yeah. They, the companies, a raise. Yeah, they gave themselves a raise, and the companies that did the leverage buyout all each walked away with fifteen million dollars, which the companies made it seem like you know they didn't. That's not a lot, and they put so much in, but like fifteen million dollars is more than the zero dollars that the workers got. Yeah, it's like the workers who like put their hearts and souls into your company, mm-hmm. they got nothing. Like you had nothing without them, and you just flew in here, stripped this thing of all everything that was worth it to you and um, cheated the people who worked for you out of money and left. Yeah. And then they'll do it again. That's the thing. They, they, they're going to do it yeah, again. These companies are still around. Like, I don't, I need to make it clear to everyone yeah. that every single step they took somehow is completely 100% legal. Yeah. Which is absolutely, um, ter- it's awful. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, this was uh, Charles Lazarus's like dream. This was his baby. Right. He created this whole industry. He, you know, from what I've read about him, he never would have cheated his employees out of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, like, these, like, big businesses to, like, come in and do this and then have the opportunity to do it again to a different business that someone put their heart into is absolutely disgusting. Yeah, like... Brenda is disgusting. Yeah, it, it was, like, very sad to read about this because um, Charles Lazarus had passed away. He had 94. And he gave a lot to mm-hmm. the world. I mean, it's interesting because if you go back in time, like... He seems like a great guy, but, like, he he introduced this idea of big box stores that could, like, kill categories in their small towns. Like, he yeah. he took over the suburbs and just, like, destroyed the idea of, like, a small town toy market for a while. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. specialty shops popped up and there'd be, like, repair stores and, like, those kinds of things. But he was never, like, he didn't have that kind of ambition. His ambition was, like, get back from... Fighting in the war, he fought in World... He was a Jewish man in World War II. <laughs> yeah. He, his idea was, like, get back from this, like, horrible war and, you know, helping free his people that were, you know, being imprisoned to sell something that people would need. He's like, a lot of people want to go back and, like, forget this and have a family. I'll sell baby furniture at reasonable prices. You know, Toys R Us made it possible for me to have toys growing up poor. Because Toys R Us prices were, like... Mm-hmm always pretty reasonable which is something i didn't realize until like the first time i was in a target and there's like uh, i think it was like a power rangers megazord or something and it was like 80 dollars, and i had no idea they could cost that much money yeah um like and also toys r us would have sales which was really cool because like they would just like i don't know if your location did this but um i think i've mentioned this in the podcast before ours like mine and flint would just like put cardboard boxes out in the parking lot 
and like dump every weird thing they found in the warehouse into these boxes. And so my parents would be like, find something in the bargain boxes. And I could pick something mm-hmm. out and they'd have like old stuff like Digimon and um, old video games, like cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And I could pick something out because it was all dirt cheap. Right. And it was like that. That's something that they gave me that I'm grateful for. And to know like, you know, mm-hmm. he passed away. It was a week after the they announced they're going to liquidate. And the day... The day before he passed away is when they started selling, like, the first store off. And that's just, like... You know, again, I I don't know Charles Lazarus or anyone in his family. This is speculation. But I can't imagine that that wasn't heartbreak. Yeah, and, like, the correlation of, like, when they sold... Like, when it all went down and it was very apparent that it was the company wasn't going to make it. And when he passed away, mm-hmm. um, the timing is just... You, you have to wonder if, like, knowing that what he worked so hard for was going to be gone... Right. You know, that's heartbreaking. And I feel like, because this videography, this video that I have referenced that will link the the part of the video that is public, that the family has, you know, graced us all with seeing some of his words, uh, he recorded it in 2006. And so that's not long after, like, the buyout was 2005. You know, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that he wasn't thinking, like, he wanted his family to know, like, what his vision for Toys R Us was. Yeah. And... You know, we got to see some of that. It's like a five-minute video. But, you know, I am grateful that he was able... Because, like, he says in the video, um, they're like, you know, why did you want to make this? And, you know, he said he wanted to have something that his grandkids could watch because he didn't know if he'd have time to sit down with each grandkid or great-grandkid and, like, explain fighting in the war and, you know, Mm -hmm. the bike shop and, like, everything. You know, he wanted them to know this thing that he built for his family. Is there anything you'd like to say to your grandchildren? Yeah, keep your eye on where you want to go. You can't do it unless you really want it. And if you want it, don't let anything stop you. That's how I feel. And that's what I want them to feel. What would you like them to get out of this video of you? I guess what you've been able to extract from me, which is some knowledge of their background that I'm sure they did not have. I don't think I've ever taken the opportunity to sit them all down in a circle and say, let me tell you the story of my life. Uh, And I think this will be a great, although I wasn't 100% for this to start out with, as you well know, I think this will be a great thing for for them to look at and maybe have some better understanding of where they came from. Uh, I'm sure they'll they'll be happy with it. I'm sure too. Yeah, because it's just really upsetting that these these like private equity like firms and venture capitalists are kind of like they li- like you've played Monopoly. They like are literally play mm-hmm. Monopoly with the world. Yeah, with people's lives, and like this is something that's kind of incredibly personal because like my mom was like a manager at our local Builder Square, mm-hmm. who was like a home depot everyone it's a home depot Mm -hmm. but it was better than home depot because everyone made like a living wage Mm -hmm. my mom made lots of money there and it got bought out by one of these companies and just literally crumbled into nothing and everyone lost everything Mm -hmm. you know and my family's never really recovered from that because that was her career um and no other place would pay her what Builder Square would pay her or treat her with the respect that Builder Square treated right. her. Uh, so it, it, it sucks that this, just, this keeps happening. 
Right. I'm... And there's, like, other people like my family who, you know, whose family members worked at Toys R Us. Like, I had... Anyway, that's... I had some friends that worked at um, Babies R Us, which Babies R Us, they liquidated and closed up quicker than Toys R Us in, like, their mm-hmm. kind of, like, Hail Mary, what they call the situation. And I had a friend who worked there, and they were, like... It was... They said what was interesting, even knowing that the ship was sinking, the workers were still great to any kid who came in who may not know that Toys R Us mm-hmm. is closing. Um, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and reading, like, YouTube comments and stuff from workers that were like, you know, I'm so grateful what what Charles built, even though he wasn't, like, in charge when I've been working here. And a lot of people who went to work at Toys R Us, I'm sure there are people who just needed a job, but a lot of them were like... Mm-hmm. You know, they went there because they loved what Toys R Us did for them, and they wanted to do it for other people. Uh, and, like, you know, it sucks that we're closing, but, you know, when a kid comes in tomorrow and needs, like, the new Hot Wheels, like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to mm. make sure they get it. Uh, <laughs> I'm crying about Toys, anyway, everybody. Um, Austin is crying, and I am also crying. <laughs> this is a comedy podcast. <laughs> Uh, um, I think we also have to mention briefly the fact that there's always like the past couple years there's been constant talk that like oh Toys R Us is coming back right. and like that's always like kind of positioned as a good thing mm-hmm. but the fact that like these the companies that own it destroyed it fired everyone and didn't give them their money and now they want to start over again yeah without that debt that they heaped on the company and without having compensated the people who made them what they were, that's not a good thing. Yeah, like, it's, we can't support that. It's very frustrating because, like, peop- like the me- like the world is like, I can't wait for Toys R Us to come back. And I'm like, well, two things. One, they went under after bad management and you not going there because you realized it became a soulless husk to someone like Venture Capital. That Two, Mm-hmm. They're, like, I've asked my friends who works there, like, I'm like, have you, did they, like, reach out? Or, like, did, is there any email? And they're like, no, I've heard literally nothing about getting, like, one of my friends didn't get their last paycheck. They just didn't get it. Jeez. Uh, and, like, what they got in was a letter about, like, the bankruptcy. Like, explaining why they couldn't get it. <laughs> Bullshit. Pay your workers! Uh, but, yeah, as they are, last I could find, I couldn't, because the pandemic happened, they were planning to open 10 stores nationwide this year. Yeah, did you look into, like, what this business model was? Uh, no, I know they're talking about a soft hair retailer called Beta? B-8-T-A? Well, that one I had nerd of. <laughs> oh my- B, the number 8, T-A, Beta. <laughs> what year is this? Is this the mid-2000s? I don't know! Who did They're this? They're like, we're going to team up with this company that it also sounds like an evil villain company <laughs> to reopen our stores in 2020. Um, but wait, no, it gets better, Brenda. They want to open a larger New York flagship store. That's absolute nonsense. <laughs> the last one didn't work. Didn't w- the last one wasn't profitable. It, it didn't work at the height of your the company you stole, like, pop, like, what? <laughs> what are you thinking? Absurd. Um, I was reading that Toys R Us's plans for coming back was going to involve, um, quote unquote, retailtainment, which is a term I hate. But anyway, um, it was going to be like interactive displays. Oh, yes. And, yes. Like, yes. A lot of like, 
Yes, so like kind of playground-esque, lots of touch screens. The key here is lots of things you can touch. And what can't we do in this current world? Touch things. So, uh, well, that's dead in the water. Uh, Yeah, they had like a playscape area. Um, Mm -hmm. There's like a Nerf gun like shooting range, which I don't think we really need that. (laughs) Yeah, let's not do that, please. But yeah, it was like each, it was kind of like a... If you've been to the Nintendo store, like, in the Nintendo store, there's, like, the Pokemon area and the, like, Mario area. It was like that, but, like, the Nerf area and the Lego area and, like, plushies. Yeah, it's like, hey, kids, you like Legos? Go over here to the Lego (laughs) section. We made a fucking segregated toy shopping experience. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of what they did the last time. (laughs) And they have, uh, they're doing, like, a fucking Apple Genius Bar model where they're, like, toy experts for each area that can like help you find what you're looking for and if you can't find it like help you order it online on the touch screen which i'll just stay at my house i don't need to have a dude with a beard tell me what lego i, I know what lego leave me alone i'm eight i'll find the lego i'm i'm eight i just want a lego <laughs> oh well don't you want this model this model has more interconnected bricks and so it takes a little bit more time I'm in elementary school. (laughs) Like, oh, what Lego do you want? I don't, Lego. The Lego one. (laughs) Bring me the Lego. Um, The the wildest thing, this store, because I found stuff on one of the stores that's open already from uh, Mm -hmm. 2017. They have tracking sensors in the ceiling from the software company to track, like, how long people stay in certain areas and stuff. I don't like this current (laughs) world we live in. I, I don't. I listen, everyone. I have no data at all if they opened any stores in 2020. Uh, this door is from 2019. The, this model would be dead in the water. You can't touch shit. <laughs> so it can't be open right now. It it absolutely can't. I couldn't even bring myself to buy a nice squishy pusheen from Target because, like, oh, who's touched this? I have to grab this pusheen with hazmat gloves and then wash it immediately at home. I have to take this Pusheen home, spot clean him, and then put him into quarantine for two weeks. <laughs> Wait. Which I almost did because I really wanted that Pusheen. You, like, go, you, like, ask me if you can get the giant Target bag before you buy it and, like, grab it with the bag and, like, tie the bag closed. And, like, you gotta hold it on top of the car so it's not in the same air as you. <laughs> you gotta do, like, the pooper scooper <laughs> one where you reach your hand into the bag, grab the Pusheen, and then pull it through. <laughs> Hey, can I have you please send me the raw materials to make my own pusheen at home so I know it's safe? <laughs> I can't trust these on-shelf pusheens, so I have to make my own. Uh, yeah, so it's, it, their new model is like half boutique, half Apple genius bar idea because, again, I don't, these adults running, running stuff are old, frankly, uh, Mm-hmm. And a lot, like Charles Lazarus said, like he said it best, like you have to sell toys like you're a kid. You have to think, what does a kid want? Not what do you want? Like this model, it works for Apple when I want to buy a phone because I'm an adult that likes simple things. I don't want to be overwhelmed. I'm almost 30. <laughs> yeah. A lot of kids are too shy to talk to strangers and also have been taught to not to talk to strangers. Yeah. They're not going to walk in. Um, they don't want to walk in and have two adults talk about what toy they should get. I had a hard enough time trying to recommend books to children at my last job. <laughs> like, they, they just, 
a lot of times children just might not want to talk to you and that's totally right. fair that's their decision but yeah it's no this i don't know if now that toys r us has died a sad slow death i don't know if a toy store is viable anymore right which sucks but it's you know same as blockbuster which we can't put alcohol in the toys R Us no to save it. <laughs> that seems to be like how we're saving businesses it's beer like, oh it's a bar now yeah which i mean we're we're both from grand rapids so um grand rapids if you don't know everyone is beer calls itself beer city it's... but i've also been to savannah georgia and let me assure you that's more beer city. <laughs> yeah, like the world has kind of decided, like instead of caring about kids ever again, we'll just give twenty somethings beer and call it good. Yeah, they like know that we're all just like we all love to drink, which might stem from the fact that we can't afford houses <laughs> and any other assets. So, and I'm guilty of that because like that got me to kind of like go back to the movie theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was like also a big controversy because. Disney World and Disneyland right. have been dry. Except for Epcot. Oh. Epcot's always had alcohol. But the Disney parks in America have been dry parks mm-hmm. because Walt Disney didn't want drinking in the park. And I do think he was right because um, I'm imagining drinking one single piss beer at Disney World and just dying because it's 100 Yeah, it's so hot. Like, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a Mickey beer and so it's going to be like $40. Yeah, it's gonna be really expensive <laughs> and it's like you've always been able to drink at universal studios but like now it's like trendy to go like drink like oh there's like a tigger tail drink now yeah, i gotta go try that right. out and it's 20 bucks there's that whole culture um so hey marketing please stop trying to lure me into businesses with alcohol it works and i'm sick of it i mean <laughs> it works but i don't patronize it <laughs> I hate that you know what I want, and I hate that it's definitely booze. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it is unfortunate because, like, that you can't give kids beer. Um, no. I don't think. It's not advised. You shouldn't make, like, a so <laughs> like, I could imagine them trying to make, like, a soda fountain bar or something. And I'm like, well, that's just sticky toys. <laughs> that's what you just made. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a mess. Like, um, kids throw up if they drink, have too much sugar, so. Um... And it's just one of those things, like, it is unfortunate, you know, like, Target, Target be trying, like, their toy section's getting bigger, and they're doing more ornate things with it, um, Mm -hmm. but, yeah, the idea of, like, a, just a toy store is, like, a big box store, like, again, there are, like, there are smaller specialty shops you can find sometimes, uh, but the idea of, like, a big box toy store might just be gone, and that's, you know, I think it's hard, especially for people I to wrestle with, because, we lived through like the height and the fall, um, yeah. or even like eighties kids, like the the original Toys R Us kids were the kids from the eighties, right? Like they that's the first jingle, and you know I can't imagine that it's easy to have seen that, seen it grow, taken your kids to it, and then seen it die. But mm-hmm. it sadly happens, and it's gonna keep happening when shit like this is legal. Yeah. Um, something pretty wild that I wanted to mention, uh, for a while to try and stay afloat, uh. Toys R Us had a deal with one of their competitors, Target, <laughs> um, for, to keep their website going to like sell off more toys. But the sales would go through Target's warehouse. So when you went to, uh. when you're on their website and you clicked order, the order page took you to Target. <laughs> uh. 
Um, and I, I, I was, the reason I was wondering about it is because I looked into it because I, I Googled Toys R Us and Google automatically said near me. And what it pulls up when you search mm-hmm. Toys R Us is Target. Oh, that, that also just happens whenever you search anything. Like, oh, really? You're like, this toy. <laughs> Target, yeah. Target, uh, they like they shell out so much money to like be the first search result wow. always. So I'll be like searching for like a brand of nail polish remover. And they'll be like, oh, it's a Target. It's not at Target. It's not at Target at all. <laughs> no. Yeah, Target is always just the first. But it is, like you said, it is like the closest thing I would say that we have to like a big toy store. Target's toy section isn't bad. Um, their puzzle selection is the best puzzle selection in jigsaw puzzle selection in town. So, um, and I've just been doing jigsaw puzzles for since March, nonstop. Nice. I have so many puzzles. I can't do puzzles. That's fair. Sometimes I can't do puzzles. I have to like pick like very select ones, like collage ones that I can do in tiny bits. Ones of like wolves or animals with realistic fur. Forget that. I have a Detective Pikachu one right now. One, the Pikachu is brown, <laughs> and two, he has too much fur, and it's a nightmare. Um. So, uh, yeah, the the Toys R Us stuff went through Target, uh, and then they retook control of their website in 2019 at the in 2019 holiday season to like redirect to themselves still uh would Mm -hmm. you like to know who they do their sales through now in 2020 on their website yes they are now partnered with amazon i hate that uh that's awful screw that apparently they also did this in 2006 so in 2000 what okay in 2006 that wasn't as controversial no well in 2006 (laughs) this is like after the buyout and they're like we're not making enough money what a, what's this Jeff guy got to say? We got a Jeff. <laughs> what's this Bezos boy got? <laughs> um, and so I think, again, that's just one of those things, like, I'm not connected to the family, but I can't imagine that sits well with them. No. It's like Amazon was a big part of destroying your business, and now all of your, like, online sales profits them. Yeah, it's mm. just, it's another unfortunate thing, because... Toys R Us, like, is a big part of even the fact that this podcast exists. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just another, like, feather in the cap of growing up in the 90s. Yeah, I think I think that's a good place to end yeah. it. Nice. Austin, that was an amazing topic. Yeah. Love Toys R Us. Yeah, me too. Sorry I cried. I did not think I'd get so emotional oh. about toys. <laughs> I was kind of crying. I was also kind of crying. Uh. You couldn't see it. My eyes were full of tears, and I was just trying very hard not to sniffle after my sneezing <laughs> earlier and then my coughing earlier. I didn't want to show any more weakness. Brenda made it to the end of the episode, everybody. Now I can sniffle. Oh, I want. Uh, when I send you when I when you see this clip, I promise you'll probably you're gonna cry. Yeah, I am. So uh, get ready for that. <laughs> I also feel like I'm PMSing, so something's gonna make you cry today. <laughs> If it, that's not even generalization. When I'm PM, is this team? I don't care. Uh, when I'm PMSing, I'll literally just be sitting in a chair and just tears will start to float. Away. Oh man. <laughs> don't know why. It's a real Sometimes thing. Sometimes you just gotta cry. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta. And apparently my body's like once a month. <laughs> uh, where can people get our music? Not get our music. Find our, well, you can take it if you want. It's free source, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, it's like this. You can find this music on YouTube. It's by Freedom Trail Studios. It's, you know, I never say what this track is called. It's like called like 
I'll look it up for sure next time. It's called like Okay Punch or Punch. Okay, okay. KO. Let's I'll get the be real heroes. title. That's pretty much what the title almost is. <laughs> Um, you can find us on Twitter at Nerd Mysteries, and you can find me, host Austin, on at Sailor Scout Austin. That's at Sailor SC. And you can find me, Brenda, host Brenda, at Batman and Sobbin, B A T M A N S O B B I N, on Twitter. Our show every week is edited and produced by the amazing host Brenda, who just fucking killed it last episode. Oh, it just thank you. I it. got real fancy. It was it was real. <laughs> I've gotten I've been told many a good thing about it by others. So <laughs> thank you. Um, but I think oh we have to remember to talk about Apple. Oh yes, quick. before we go, we keep forgetting. Uh, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, or even if you aren't, and you can get Apple Podcasts somehow on your device of some sort and leave us a review, that would be very helpful. Yeah, that helps us out. In- infinitely infinitesimally yes. i don't know if that's the word i'm looking for but the bi- very big uh, helps us very big yeah apple is weird it doesn't matter if there are like a hundred of you i know there aren't <laughs> downloading the podcast on apple but <laughs> if if your podcast doesn't have like reviews with words like i don't if the word is like pizza i mean leave a leave leave me real criticism but if you leave a starved review Leave words. Don't be like the coward that left a one-star review and didn't say anything. Yeah, it's like, hey, we'll improve. Both of us can take constructive criticism. I'm a graphic designer, and um, Austin went to grad school, yeah. I believe. I, I <laughs> so. did go to grad school. That is a, that's a factual thing. Uh, Austin did. I did. I finished, even. Um, <gasps> so I we can, we can handle critiques. That's fine. We just... Reviews help the show out a lot because if you don't get reviewed, you just end up in the general podcast bin with fucking Joe Rogan, and I refuse to be there. Yeah, and then Joe Rogan wins. Do you want? Do you, him to if win? you don't want Joe Rogan to win? Go leave a review. Tell your friend to leave a review, even if like yeah. you don't have to be an Apple podcast. Like if you like Spotify better, just make an account, leave a review, go about your day. We would super appreciate it, and we love to hear from you guys. Yeah, uh, you you make. I mean, I'm. Uh, I'm this is worth doing because I do it with Brenda. I would do it if none of you were listening. No offense, but it is cool <laughs> that you are listening. We really appreciate that you are listening. Thank you if you've told any friends. Thank you if you've left a review. There's some really good reviews, and they really make my day whenever I see yeah, them. Yeah, hey, Myster- Mysterian42, who are you? Also, Ice Cold Brew? Yeah, who are you? We're getting to the point where, like, we can't... <laughs> We can't discern who these people are, and maybe they just think we're cool, which is wild, and I love yeah, it. Yeah, we, we love you, Ice Cold Brew, and we're glad you like when Brenda talks about Conan. Sorry she didn't today. Yeah, I didn't today, but don't worry, it's coming. I watched a Conan movie just last night, Ooh. and it was good. Ooh. It was, um, which one did I watch? Which one did I watch? <laughs> well, I watched Full Score of Fear a couple days ago. Um, and that one was terrible. That was my least okay. favorite one. Because it was two hours long, and it, nothing really happens. The stakes were the same as, like, a normal episode, and there was way too much bad singing. And also, it canonically makes it so that Shinichi and Ron's um, quote-unquote couple song is Amazing Grace. So, <laughs> that movie was not worth my time. Which one did I watch last night? A better one. Find out next time, when I remember. <laughs> uh... <laughs> One day we'll do the outro when we're actually leaving. Not today. 
Uh, thanks for listening, and until the mystery next mystery, Mysterians. Mysterian Mysterians. <laughs> okay, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop the recording now. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>